Hey, this is Nick here. I wanted to send a quick message to the founders out there. If you're raising your first round of capital and you're not located in the Bay Area, New York City, or Boston, we'd love to connect with you. Newstack leads deals for founders that don't fit the standard Silicon Valley profile and are located in undercapitalized areas. If that describes you, or if you know a startup that fits that description, please send us an email. It's team at newstack.vc. Now here's a word from our partners. This episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western is the leading provider of venture debt and banking services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. Welcome to another special release of Investor Stories. On this installment, the experts discuss a startup that they did invest in, what the key factors were that led to yes, and how that investment has worked out. Here's the segment called Why I Invested. On today's special segment, we have Samil Shaw of the Haystack Fund. Samil, can you talk us through a situation where you did decide to invest, what the key factors were that led you to yes, and how that investment has worked out so far? Yeah, like one of my favorite stories is with DoorDash, which really is is a kind of strangely misunderstood company, but what I can say verifiably is an amazing company in terms of things that they have cooking and business fundamentals. I actually had two people invite me to do participate in the seed round in the fall, and I passed both times just thinking they had wanted to meet me because I had invested in Instacart, and I just thought, I don't want to do this. And finally, the third time I, I, I met a friend who was already invested and said, hey, they really just want to meet you. I was like, okay. So I met them, and I was like, wow, I just love the guys. And I asked him a few questions over email and, you know, it was a small check, but it was so early and I just invested. And so that was kind of an opposite story of just like being lucky enough that they were just kind of willing to wait around, you know, had I not that that investment will more and more many times over return the fund that it came out of. But, you know, I twice said no to it. <laughs> wow. Did they make some progress on some of the items you were concerned with or was it no, just no it wasn't it wasn't it was just a dismissal in my mind and uh you know then when i met them and then i heard about how they were thinking about it and i heard about their product roadmap and what they were doing it led me to kind of think okay on today's special segment we have john houston john can you walk us through why you do decide to invest and what the key factors are that most often lead you to yes? Yeah, the number one factor is I really think the entrepreneur deserves to be successful. And I think they can be successful with adequate guidance from a really super board that we help put together. So that's number one. And of course, as a sidebar to that, I want to be along the ride to help them become successful and watch them be successful and see them light up at the exit and the payday. So that's the real number one goal for me, to help people who I think deserve a real shot. 
And their baby isn't ugly. They've got a pretty good-looking baby that, with proper nourishment, can become beautiful in the eyes of some bidders, and that they're good parents. That's number one. Number two is whether or not it can be a good investment so that I can have a return and get money back to help others. And that usually results in me becoming comfortable with who's really going to drive the exit. There are basically two answers to that. As you've heard me say, I'm a donor until the exit. And far too many times, I don't even turn to an investor at that point. But but presuming I am going to turn into an investor at the exit, then who's driving the exit? It's either going to be an angels only to the exit, which means I can rely on the board and making certain they stay focused and that the board is really expert at driving exits, or the other answer to who's going to be driving the exits are most likely the VCs. If the VCs are going to be driving the exits, then I think it's exceedingly important that we get convinced this company and this team can attract top-tier VCs who can drive the exits. At this point, if you're a VC, you've heard of Carta. You've probably even accepted securities from a portfolio company on the platform. It feels like every new company is using Carta, and there's already 16,000 VC-backed companies on the platform. They also offer tools and services for VCs, like fund administration. Carta has an army of fund accountants delivering high-quality service and dedicated teams of engineers, constantly improving the functionality of their user-friendly investor platform with in-app quarterly reporting, real-time fund metrics, LP portals, and more. It's also easy to switch from an existing fund administrator or to augment your in-house team with their service. Learn more about their services at carta.com forward slash investors. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western specializes in providing financial services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors, helping to navigate financial obstacles by providing access to funds and expertise. Pacific Western's customized products and team of venture banking specialists provides a banking experience designed specifically with startups and VCs in mind. If you run a tech company or if you invest in tech companies, it's strongly advisable that you build a relationship with the folks at Pacific Western. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. On today's special segment, we have Adam Draper of Boost VC. Adam, can you tell us about a startup that you did invest in and also why you chose to invest? Yeah, I mean, uh, we and I have invested in a lot of really, really great startups. Um, the one that I will highlight is it's a, you know, they, they've raised $100 million, so it's w- well known. And I think people just generally like talking about those ones. So it would be Coinbase. It was a, a guy named Brian Armstrong came and he pitched me. And really what he had to do, uh, I don't think people give Brian enough credit for what he ha- where he educated the entire venture capital community because he had to pitch, half of his pitch had to be what Bitcoin is. And then the other half was what he was doing with Bitcoin. And so it was like a really complicated pitch because he had to articulate two majorly hard to understand things. And so he, I met with him at a coffee shop in Mountain View called Red Rock. And it was, it's a good, uh, it's a good coffee shop. If you have ever been there, I took a lot of meetings there in the last couple of years. Red Rock and Blue Bottle, huh? Yeah, Red Rock, Blue Bottle. I'm sure they know <laughs> each other. The uh, and they both have pretty good coffee. And he was pitching me on this vision of how this new digital currency was going to be able to overlay on the rest of the world, and you weren't need you would never need to like cash in or cash out 
of your U.S. dollars to go to Japan or to go to China, you would just be able to pay for all these things with this uh, Bitcoin meta currency without a transaction fee. And I thought that was really, really interesting. And the other thing that I thought was really interesting was that Bitcoin had died. Basically, people thought Bitcoin was dead in 2011. It had crashed from about $30 per Bitcoin to $0 per Bitcoin. But when I was talking to him, the price of a Bitcoin was about $15 again, which told me that the uh, the community around Bitcoin wanted this to exist. Like there was a need. People wanted this. It was a real, it was filling some void that was in the world. The other reason, the real reason that I said yes, and th- this I, I don't really talk about that much, was he he had left Airbnb, which at that time, this was 2013. No, it was 2012. Sorry, it was 2012. And Airbnb was still known to be like a huge, huge company. It was going to be a billion, two billion, whatever dollar company. And he was one of the first hundred employees there. And he was leaving Airbnb to found a company that the entire market size of the entire market was not only not even two hundred million dollars. Like all of the Bitcoin together was not even two hundred million dollars. Um, and so I was like, okay, this guy is. He, he seems competent. He seems pretty sane, but he's either absolutely insane, and I'm not <laughs> seeing it, or he knows something I don't. Um, and so I ended up. I, I was betting on the founder. It was a lot betting on the founder. Um, because I really liked Brian. I think he he's a, uh, what I like to embody most founders to be knowledgeable about a space, risk taker, but understanding of what needs to be accomplished. I mean, that was the reason. I, I, I took a bet on him knowing something I didn't see coming. And he ended up, well, we'll see if he's truly right over the next, you know, 10 years. But I believe that he was and people were able to catch on pretty quickly. Like Peter Thiel would say, he had a secret. He knew a secret before other people did. Yes. That will wrap up this installment of Investor Stories. Head over to thefullratchet.net to leave a comment, sign up for the newsletter, or find resources discussed on any of the episodes. Until next time, remember to over-prepare, choose carefully, and invest confidently. Thanks for listening.